Let us pray together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, we are here today, we have gathered here today to declare how majestic and how glorious and how wonderful and how amazing your name is, O oh Lord. We're here to worship you and to, to declare your name above all things, God. We lay down all of our worries. We lay down all of our heavy burdens and we lay them down at your feet, O oh God. And we choose today not to trust our emotions, not to follow our feelings, but we choose today to worship you and to look up to the heavens and to declare how majestic is your name in all the earth and heaven and in here in this life. So God, we declare our praises to you. May the name of the Lord be glorified here in this place. And any attack, any whispers and, and the shouts of the enemy, we silence them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask for victory, for we have already won. So God, with victorious mindset and with a victorious heart, we pursue you here this morning. And we declare our praises to you. All creation will come to worship you. All creation, human beings, all the animals, all the flocks and the herds will declare and will know that you, Lord Jesus, are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as you transition to the message, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who will be listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O God, for we declare today and for eternity. And in this one life, one chance, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. 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 All right. God bless you, church. Uh, it's good to be here in the house of the Lord. Let's all take our seat. And before we begin, let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbor before we start. Uh, we've been on the series of the war on Ephesians 6. We've gone over different parts of the armor, the armor of God. And today we're going to go ahead and talk about verse 17, which is about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So the title of today's message is the war part five. Take the helmet of salvation, the word of the spirit, which is the word of God, which says the mind and the swing. Can we turn to our neighbor and say the mind, the mind. and the swing? Amen. Let's begin with this. The devil knows you. 
The devil knows you, Arlene. The devil knows you, Ronnie. And I want us to think about this statement deeply. And I know it's scary when we think about it. Two nights ago, I had a dream where a snake came and attacked me. And waking up from that dream, I just knew that the devil has always a target on those who are faithful and who pursue the Lord. The devil will not leave you alone. If the devil leaves you alone, that means you are standing on his side and you are not standing on the right side. If you're in the world, the devil will leave you alone. But the devil will attack you and will bother you and constantly will try to break you down to destroy your faith if you are in the Lord. Not only does the devil know you, but the devil knows the scripture. He knows the scripture, not in a way where a Christian will know the scripture, where, where the scripture inspires us and strengthens us, but in a way as an atheist will know the scripture. And why do the atheists study the scripture? To use it as a weapon, as a form of weapon against you. So the devil knows the Bible inside out, and he uses it to twist the word of God, to use it as a form of weapon, a powerful weapon against Christians. So the devil knows what the scripture teaches. He can quote it. He can recite it. He can teach it. The devil will outlap us every time, each and every time. And the key is, this is only if you are not in Christ. If you are not in Christ, the devil will outlap you every single time. Let us not forget that our enemy is a formidable enemy, for he is a fallen angel. Let's go to our main scripture today in Ephesians 6, 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen and amen. amen. And the key is don't take the devil greatly and don't even take him lightly. Don't be afraid of him. Don't give him too much power. Just take the devil, take him as he is just as our great enemy, but know that you cannot overcome by yourself. But through Christ, in Christ, we are able to overcome the enemy. Matthew 4 gives us a clear depiction of how Satan schemes the word of God constantly, the world constantly, and to Jesus constantly by twisting the word of God. And on the flip side, in Matthew 4, Jesus, he teaches us how to correctly and to courageously and to confidently to swing the word of God toward the enemy as we wear the helmet of salvation, as we wield and the sword of the spirit, we do it through the word of God. And as Jesus fought the devil through the word of God, he's teaching us to fight the devil with the word of God. But before we go ahead and use and swing the sword, let us understand first the helmet of salvation. Because before you swing, you must focus on the head, the mind, the helmet, our mind, because that's the battlefield. So let us go ahead and watch this clip of Uncle Argyle talking to his nephew after he loses his family from the movie Braveheart.
first learn to use this then I'll teach you to use this That scene is of William Wallace from the movie Braveheart. He loses his father and his brother, and now he's an orphan. He doesn't have anyone else, and his uncle comes and adopts him, and he teaches him to learn to use this before you can learn to use this. So as the scripture teaches us, take the helmet of salvation, your mind, and the sword of the spirit in that order, which is the word of God. So starting with point number one, be renewed in Christ, be renewed. What do I mean by be renewed? Where, be renewed where? Is it physically? Is it exercise through muscle building? I'm talking about, so point letter A, our minds must be renewed. Your mind must be renewed in Christ. Before we meet Christ, before we get saved, there are so many things in our minds, all the past habits, the things that we've accustomed over the years, that we've built up over the years, the calluses that we've built over the years. Our minds must be renewed. The Bible teaches us that the mind is the battlefield. It begins here and it ends in the mind. The outcome, whether you come out victorious or in defeat, the result depends wholly and heavily on the mind. This applies to all things, even sports. Even as a person, you come up here, you think that you're not going to do well. Even in a sport, before an event, before your judo match or a wrestling match, you say that, oh, that guy, that opponent that I'm facing, my enemy, he looks pretty strong. I don't think I got it today. I'm feeling weak today. If you say that to yourself and you say that to yourself enough, I'm a loser, then you've lost already. If you've lost in your mind, you've already lost the battle. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world because the world will teach you to think a certain way. That's why if you look at social media, a lot of young people are adopting the same mind because they're all thinking the same way. They're thinking like the world. What the devil wants them to think, therefore they think, and because they think, they are, they do. They are who they are because of what they think. That's why the Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but what? But be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The old thoughts, the old patterns, the old ways, the old methods, the old friendships, the old ideologies, the old cultures that we come from, the old tradition, it must end in Christ. That's why in Thailand Mission Trip, when we, when we went, we saw kids, they would come to the Christian school, and then when they go back home, they go back to their old ways and to their old customs, to their old faith. What is their faith? In Thailand, it's mainly Buddhism, Hinduism, and shamanism, and they go back to their old faith, to their old customs, because they have not been renewed and be transformed in their mind. The Bible says it needs to be replaced and it needs to be taken over with what? With Christ's mind. That's why in Philippians chapter 2, 
Paul, he makes it very, very clear that you need to have what? The same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on later, he says, as he went on the cross, the humility of Christ has the same mindset as Christ Jesus with humility. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, 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 mindset as Christ Jesus. What does that mean? When Jesus was here for 33 years on this earth, many years ago, his mindset was what? His mindset was of the Father, was God. It was not of the world. If it was of the world, Jesus would be the king. He would rule the world with power, with famine. No one would overpower him because he is God. But with humility in his mind, he walked this earth and he went on the cross to die on the cross for us. Ladies and gentlemen, our minds need to be replaced and be taken over with Christ's mind. Today, all the pride, the lies, the self-importance, the self-righteousness, the filth, the deception that we tell ourselves how important we think we are, it must be wiped away. It needs to be replaced with Christ's thoughts, with Christ's ways, with Christ's mind. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? It says, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. So again, letter A, our minds must be renewed in Christ. Letter B, our minds must remain in a victorious state. When are we not victorious is when we're doubtful. Doubt means that we've lost. Doubt is not from the Lord. It's not from God. It's not from the Holy Spirit. But it's from the world. It's from the self. It's from the devil. So whenever you feel doubtful when you're up here, praise team, know that it's not from the Lord. It's not from God. It's from yourself. It's from the world. It's from yourself. The mind that's been broken. We are innately created to rely on our five senses. Which, which are they? It's touch, sight, smell, taste, and hear. But as Christians, we go further than that. We walk in faith and not in doubt. We walk with our minds. It must remain in a victorious state by having faith. And as Christians, as human beings who are created in the image of God, we are so much more than these five senses. We are created in his image. We either operate in faith or in fear. It's one or the other. We either operate in faith or in doubt. It's one or the other. There is no middle. So we need to remember that we have victory in Christ. The enemy wants you to stay defeated. The enemy wants you to think that you have no victory. But we must remember that victory has already come. How? It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Again, B, our minds must remain in a victorious state. Let us see. Our minds must stay in the eternal perspective. What do I mean by that? Life is very short. Life is 
difficult. We lose, sadly, our loved ones. And also, for us, we will not be here forever. So when life comes crashing down on us heavily, and the devil wants you to look down, he wants you to look at your circumstances. And that's what he does, keep your head down. But when life comes crashing down on us, Paul and scripture and all throughout scripture, it teaches us to look up. Because David looked up to the Lord. And the description that the Lord gave, that the Bible gave about David was that he was of average height. Therefore, he always looked up to the Lord. Or Saul, he was too tall. He was a head taller than everyone else. Therefore, he always looked down. Always looking down to see who he can rule. How high of a position he was in. But we need to look up to the heavens. Like the Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of the earth. Oh, how I need you, Lord. Oh, you're my only hope. You're my only prayer. So I will wait for you to come and rescue me. Come and give me life. So we must remember, don't be like Saul, where he says, I look to myself. What did Saul, what did he do? We went over the series on Saul, where he, we talked about where he looked to mediums, to witchcrafts, to omens, to signs, to the stars. No, we don't look at that, but I lift up my eyes up to the Lord, the King of kings, the living God, Jesus Christ. The complete opposite. Be the complete opposite of Saul. So again, let us see our minds must stay in the eternal perspective. Letter D, our minds will be in the peace of God. It's a promise that your mind will be at peace with the Lord. I'm not going to stay long on this, but two scriptures I want to share with you is Philippians 4 and Isaiah 26. Philippians 4, it says what? It says to rejoice. And he says again, rejoice. May your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the key here is verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. What does that mean, transcends all understanding? It doesn't make sense. You cannot understand it. But the peace of God will come, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or is praiseworthy, think about such things. In verse 9, it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And what? The peace of God will be with you. That's a promise guaranteed, stamped, period, and Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. What does it say? The minds. Again, the mind is the key. The helmet is the key. Are you wearing the right helmet? The helmet of what? The helmet of what? The crown of what? The crown of self-pride? The crown of self-achievement? Crown of what? The crown of humility. The mindset. The helmet of salvation.
perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Because why? They trust in you. They don't doubt. They trust. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Amen. And amen. amen. So to go over some point real quick with point number one, be renewed in Christ. A, our minds must be renewed in Christ. B, our minds must remain in a victorious state. C, our minds must stay in the eternal perspective. D, our minds will be in the peace of God. And next point number two, be ready to swing in Christ. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, swing? Can we just do the action to swing? swing? Or do the the master thing that Andy does. Only the master can stab. It says in Matthew 4, I mentioned earlier, when Jesus tempted and tested. Matthew 4, verse 5 to 7, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus here is quoting from Moses in Deuteronomy. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, there is no better weapon if Jesus quotes from the book of Deuteronomy 6 to fight against the evil scheme and the attack of the enemy then what should we do as Christians? Should we try to fight by going to the gym and getting bigger? Should we just read more books? What should we do? We need to what? Memorize and use the word of God. We need to wield and swing our weapon back. And what is our weapon? What is the sword? What is the greatest weapon that, the God, that our Lord God gives us? It's the word of God. So in other words... There is no better weapon against the devil's attacks than the word of God. So, so point letter A, sheath it. Make sure you're always carrying it with you. B, wield it. You need to handle it, to exercise, to put it into practice, to put it into action. Letter C, memorize it. D, know it. E, eat it. F, repeat it. G, swing it. H, meditate on it. When I say repeat it, it means do it over and over and over again until your Bible is falling apart, is ripping apart. Underline your Bible. Read it over and over and over and over again until the leather starts peeling off. Repeat it over and over and over again. And Psalm 119 gives a clear picture where it says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? It says, by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sit against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount. All the laws that come from your mouth, I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts. And consider your ways. I delight in your decrees, which is the word. I will not neglect 
your word. Amen. And amen. amen. Some of us have been neglecting the word of God in the fight. You've been trying to win with your own strength, and that's not going to work. We need to wield the sword of God. Amen. And amen. And lastly, point number three, be ready to call to arms. What does that mean, that phrase, a call to arms? This is a call to all Christians. It means to join the fight. You need to join the fight, the great war. As Christians, we're not called to the sidelines. And we have too many sideliners right now. And if you look at the state of the churches, that's what's happening. I want to be involved, but just enough where I'm not too involved. And I understand because churches are broken and churches are not perfect. It's hard to find the right church. But the scripture reminds us that this should not be. We need to be ready to call to arms with the helmet of salvation and with the sword of the word of God. Because you do not go to war without the right mind and without the right weapon, which is the word of God, unless you are, this is Arlene's favorite character, Desmond Doss. Who is that, Arlene? Desmond Doss. Spider-Man, amazing actor. Andrew Garfield. Is it Andrew Garfield? Yeah. <laughs> but it's from that movie, Hexel Rich, remember? It's based on a true story where he refuses to use a weapon to take gun with him. A lot of Mel Gibson references today, like Braveheart movie. Mel Gibson, he directed it, he's in it. He directed the movie Hacksaw Rich, I believe, where he was the producer. But as Christians, we must go with the weapon on us. The Bible teaches us, if not, then we've lost. But first, you need to submit your mind to God, to the word of God. Then you're able to wield the word of God. Do you understand it? If all you can do is just read from the Bible and not memorize it, not believe it, not eat it, not meditate on it, and you just use it, just as a lucky charm, as your favorite quote, yay, my favorite scripture, and you get a tattoo on your arm. That's not what's going to help you overcome. Because the Bible says, James 4, 7, submit yourselves. Submit. Submit yourselves then to God. Then what happens? Resist the devil, and what? He will flee from you. Submit to what? To the word of God. Submit to him. Because Jesus' word is the word of God. The word was God in the beginning was the word of God. Submit to his holy word and the devil will flee. It's a promise. It's not maybe if. It is a promise and a guarantee given to all Christians, to all human beings. But it only applies for those who believe who are in Christ, if you're not in Christ, then this does not apply to you. And as sad as that is, that is the reality. 
Psalm 119, 105, going further. The psalmist, he says, your word, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Amen and amen. Quickly, letter A, B, C here in point number three. So point A, get off the sidelines. B, engage in battle. C, it is live or die. Live or die. Philippians 1.21, Paul, and I'm closing with this and I'm ending with this. This is for to me, to live is Christ and to die is is gain for to me to live is christ and to die is gain it is do or die my friends which one is it are you living for christ and are you dying for christ because it's a promise given to us that he will walk with us and he'll be the light for our feet and a lamp for our path. Amen. And amen. As I was preparing this message, I felt as though a lot of us, we've forgotten the cost of being a disciple of Christ, what it means to be a Christian. And we have lost our way from the beginning when we're young, when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've lost our way by not counting the cost. The Bible teaches us to count the cost each and every single day. He doesn't trick you into coming and having faith, but he tells you exactly how it's going to play out from the beginning. And only those who have true faith will count the cost and will follow him for all of eternity. Whether we are filled with sickness and we are not able in our health-wise, we are dying physically. Or we are sick and we've been betrayed by people. We cannot make excuses. But the only reason, the only purpose we're here in this life is to know our God and is to know our maker and to have a relationship with him. And it teaches us in Luke 14. It says, if Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Is he teaching us to hate your father? Is he teaching us to hate our mothers and children and brothers and sisters? No, he's saying that you need to choose me above everything else because if I am not your first, you will not survive in this life. You need to carry your cross. And a lot of us, we've dropped the cross. We said, God, I'm too tired. God, this is too much for me. This weight is too much for me. And I cannot carry this cross because you've been cruel to me. And it's too difficult and I cannot continue on. But Jesus says, it's going to cost your life. You're everything. You're all. And he says, count the cost. He says, he gives an example. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. We need to understand what we are losing when we say yes to God. Some of us, we are 
going to lose a family member because they are not supportive of your faith in the Lord. Not because you hate them, but because you love Jesus first and he is your first and foremost. He is your most, your king, your most, everything. You're, you're all the most important person in your life. Therefore, you'll choose Christ. You need to count the cost. So suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. When he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off or ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses the saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. We cannot be a disciple of Christ and win this war if we don't carry the weapon, if we don't wear the helmet of salvation. We need to count the cost. We need to understand why we're here and why God has called us to be here in this place. So right now, as we're here together, can we just come together and just pray just real quick? Let's not worry about who's near us or next to us. This is between you and the Lord. And let's just surrender our hearts to him. Let's put on the helmet of salvation. We need to put on the helmet of salvation. We need to carry the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We need to overcome, and we have overcome, and we will overcome. But your mindset needs to be in Christ. Your heart needs to be in Christ. And we need to start swinging. We need to start wielding the Word of God to fight against the attacks and the plans and the schemes of the enemy. Let us come together and let us pray for strength and for guidance. Let us pray together. Holy Father, we love you. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in the strength that you have provided for us. Thank you, Father, for we choose today to put on the helmet of salvation. We choose today to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God, we've been on the defense, always being attacked, not knowing what to do. But we choose today to get back up. And oh, we are swinging. Oh, we will swing to fight against the enemy a powerful enemy and we don't see him as greater and we don't take him lightly as well but we take him for who he is as he is as our enemy as the great enemy although we have you in us and on our side and there's nothing that we cannot overcome when you are with us. 
We will overcome all attacks, all the schemes and the lies of the enemy. And we will overcome, and we have overcome, and we will overcome. Because, Lord, you are with us, oh God. There are those who are here in this room. We've been living in defeat. Defeated by our circumstances. Defeated by the attacks and the lies and the whispers of the enemy in our minds. And we choose today to get up, to pick ourselves back up, and to carry the cross, and to count the cost of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we repent before you, O God. Lord, we repent of our sins. And we look to you with humility. And as Paul teaches us in Philippians 2, to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, to have the same mindset. As our Lord Jesus, and we will overcome. Pray for our parents. We choose today to pick up the cross, and we put on the helmet of salvation. Continue to give them good help. Lord, we take out our sword, and we wield it. We wield it, not against our fellow brothers and sisters. Thinking that we are righteous, showing off that we memorized. We are so smart. We study just to show up, to show people, to show how impressive we are. But that is not why we memorize and meditate on the Word of God. We study and meditate on the Word of God so that we swing it in the right direction to who? To the enemy. No form of weapon has been formed against shall prosper. But we will overcome. We will overcome. And we have overcome. And we will overcome. May their faith be. Lord, we put on the helmet of salvation. Holy Spirit, we need you. Come and have your way. Spirit, we need you. Father, plans. We live up everything to you, Father. We lay everything on your feet. We lay everything, every burden, every worry. We may have every problem. We lay everything to you, Father. So we can handle it all. We can face it all, without your help. Father, we need you.
to our feet and worship together. When I bow down before you, I'm richer than all kings. When I bow down before you, I am richer than all kings. When I stand in your presence, I am Love you, your dwelling places.
in the doorway of my father's house I'm home. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, Lord, we choose today to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And this is not by our own doing, by our own strength, but it comes from submitting to you, to the word of God, to the King of Kings, and to the Lord of Lords. And then only, then we'll be able to know and to test and prove what your will is, your good and pleasing and perfect will. And with that will, the call to our lives to follow you and to worship you, in the midst of the struggle in this one life, Lord, we wield the sword, the word of God, as our weapon, our greatest weapon against a formidable enemy. And we have overcome, and we will overcome. So we refuse today to leave this place the same way we came in, defeated by the worries and the burdens of this life. But Lord, we surrender all of our hearts to you, we lay down all of our burdens at your feet, O oh God, for you are our King, our Lord, the Alpha and the Omega. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Pray all these things. In your precious Son, just cause we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Amen.
to our seat and let's pray and close the service with uh, the benediction. Let's pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And may the unending pursuit and may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to keep you and guide you and protect you forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen and amen. amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for joining us for our Sunday service. God bless you. Amen.